Good evening and welcome to episode 20 of Not Your Average Debate Show. It is November at this point. You know what that means. It means midterm elections are around the corner. So we thought we would do something that is in light of our namesake. We're going to have an actual formal political debate. We have five topics lined up that moderator Ryan is going to run us through and we're going to run this debate style. So um, at the end, let us know who you would vote for. Again, hit us up on our socials. We are at your underscore debate on Twitter and we are on Facebook at Not Your Average Debate Show. Let us know who you'd vote for after you listen to this debate. We're going to do something a little bit more formal today. So Ryan, introduce the first topic, introduce first style. Thank you. All right, everyone. So we will do this as a proper political debate. You will each have two minutes on the topic. That's two minutes exactly. I will stop you at the two-minute warning. Um, Our first topic is infrastructure. Uh, America is facing a crumbling infrastructure right now. What would you do to address it, and what would be your first priority? Uh, Jason, please start us off. Thank you. So, um, you know, fun fact for everybody listening, the United States has dropped to the 13th ranked country in infrastructure. And while on a grand scheme of things, that's not bad, compared to where we were from the mid-70s and 80s, that is terrible. Couple that with the fact that 78% of the country's freight is run through trucking, and you have over 45,000 bridge and one in every five miles of road in the United States is crumbling. We need to make a heavy emphasis on really bettering our roadway network. Um, from reconstruction on bridge to bettering roads and more rural and more trucking lane is the phrase that's being thrown around areas of the states and of the country. We need to really make an emphasis on bettering that infrastructure. Secondary to the roadway network and really kind of beefing that up and making sure our trucking industry, which accounts for over 8 million jobs per year, has you know a sustained partner in the government and in the network, we need to make sure that we are also focusing on water. Um, half of the Western United States is facing a water crisis where there is going to be none. So we really need to put an emphasis on going through and making sure that we have sustainable potable water for both irrigation as well as for drinking. So first things first, I would focus on the networks of roadways. The second thing that I would do is focus on our water supply. Uh, Jason, you still have another minute if you'd like to use it. Don't need to. Okay, Kyle, what are your thoughts? First of all, I'd like to thank you guys for having me. Um, I'd like to thank my humble opponent for making some good points there. Um, I think he misses the boat on what it means to invest in infrastructure. And when and he, he brought up some good points, how we rank 13th in overall infrastructure. And I think he misses what we really need to be doing. And first and foremost, we need to invest the most dollars possible in achieving high-speed rail. We need to invest our dollars in being able to get from New York to D.C. in under two hours. You can get from Beijing to Shanghai, which is a similar distance in that time. It takes double that today to get from New York to Washington, D.C. We need to invest dollars there, and we need to invest dollars to get down the East Coast and across the United States. Um, You know, he brings up some good points on water, but we also need to look on ways to get people off the roads. He's talking about increasing traffic on roads why are we trying to do that we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint we need to get people off our roads which is investing in high-speed rail making it possible to get to different communities via transit mass transit whether it's a bus whether it's a train second we need to increase the ability for you to get through cities outside of a car so right now if you drove into anywhere besides so like you have our new cities charlotte phoenix when I say new cities, the, the, the amount of population there has grown exponentially from since the 80s. There is almost no public transportation outside of your car. It relies on congested roadways, 
congested, congested neighborhoods. We need to find ways to build subway systems there, invest in public transit. Um, I think my, my colleague here touched on that, where he would say we need to invest in infrastructure, but he didn't give out specifics. What I would do is create high-speed railways across the United States, heavy, heavy investment in the trillions of dollars to make sure that you could travel in every city from city to city, from population center to population center via high-speed rail. Thank Second, you. Uh, you're, at, you're at time. Uh, we I appreciate now, that. We will now allow uh, a minute for Jason to rebuttal here and then move on to our next topic. So I, I hear you on the need for a high-speed high rail system that goes to, you know, major population center, major population center, which is great. And, and I think that is a valid thing. But to say that really improving the roadway system for the trucking industry would harm and, and put more on, you know, more cars and traffic is incorrect. Uh, actually, it's been commuter costs and commuter traffic that has increased exponentially of over 200% since 1972, while freight traffic has remained even. What that tells me is that we do need some sort of rail system, some sort of better transportation within city centers for pedestrians, but we still need to make sure that the infrastructure for our trucking and our shipping industry is sustainable in the long term, which is what I'm aiming to do by improving that road ne that roadway network, both from a quality perspective as well as enhancing and bettering shipping lanes. If we can do that, I think we address your direct point of we need to make sure that you as an individual can move between major centers, but we also still alleviate some of that traffic by doing that. So I love your point there, McMahon. But we still need to make sure that we address what carries almost 80% okay. of the Thank freight you. in the United States. Thank you, States. Jason. Uh, we're at time on this topic. Any last thoughts, Kyle? I, think, I just think my colleague here just misses the point. You look at Japan, you look at China, you can get from population to population center easy. On a train, on a subway. You can't do that in the United States. And I, that, I, as the world's I, largest I economy, is pathetic. I literally said that that is a great point, and I agree with you. We need to do that. But you can't ignore that 80% of the freight that moves in the United States moves by truck. Okay. You, you can't ignore that. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's move on now. Our next topic, uh, the Fed just hiked the Fed rate, uh, Fed, excuse me, money rate, uh, three quarters of a point. Uh, that's the fourth large increase we've seen. How would you handle inflation as we're seeing in the U.S. economy today? Who gets to start? Kyle, please start us off here. I appreciate that. Um, I don't think my colleague will point this out, but you look at inflation and it's because of lack of investment. We have invested our dollars in the wrong way. We haven't invested in development of how to get we, – we, we haven't invested in dollars to get oil out of the ground and into the consumer. We've we've shied away from that. We need to find ways to reduce that pain on 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 Americans. Second, you see the war on Russia. You you see what they're doing in Ukraine, and it's hiking gas prices. We need to intervene in a way we haven't yet. We can't just take this passive. Give them give them warheads. Give them this. Give them whatever they need. We need to put boots on the ground to bring this war to an end. Because if we don't. It is only going to hurt Americans, and we need to have the best interests of Americans in mind because we cannot be paying what we are at the grocery at the grocery store. It's just insane at this point. So we have to put boots on the ground. Third, we need to find a way to make sure that we have sustainable success going forward internally in the United States. We rely too much on Asia to get our internal parts for cars, whether it's microchips our clothing, our shoes. We rely too much on Asia. We need to bring manufacturing back to the United States. We need to invest 
so that we're building our microchips here in the United States, where we're building our iPhones here in the United States, where Hyundais are built here in the United States, where Ford builds their cars here. We can no longer rely on this global economy because it is too unpredictable. We need to be self-sufficient. That is the only way we can control prices. If we rely on other countries to do that, we will be at their mercy and forever in this weird cycle where we are not able to have steady prices. That is what we need to do. If we don't do that, we're going to see these 10% this 10% inflation rate forever. We 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 rely to, you saw it before. There's no chips, we can't build cars. Why is that the case? We should be building the chips here. We should not have a car shortage okay. because we don't have chips. Thank you, Kyle. Uh Jason, uh please respond now. Uh remember the topic is inflation. Now, uh, moderator, can you confirm the goal of the topic is to discuss how we would address inflation? Yes, sir. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so what my colleague failed to do, he failed to directly address how he would address and handle inflation and what sort of monetary policies he would put in place. Instead, what he decided to do is rant about all the things that we need to bring back into America. And while I do agree with some of his points with we do need to bring more production in, in-house, um, there's still things that we need to do to handle what is happening right now. So there's three very pointed things that I would do to address inflation in its current standing. The first is a price cap on commodities such as gas, right? We know right now gas markets across the entire world are massively in flux. Production is being shifted all around the globe. He did note the the war in Ukraine, which is affecting uh, imports from Russia and Ukraine. So price cap on gas, I think, would be the first thing that we need to do. Uh, We saw most gas companies 4x their profits while continuing to increase the gas price. Um, While there was really no need for that, it was done in 1971 by Reagan, and um, it was perceived to be very well. Um, It might have been Nixon. I I apologize if I'm confusing the two presidents there. The second thing that I would do is something that we're already seeing happening right now, which is a contractual monetary policy, increasing uh, interest rates and really trying to squeeze how much banks are lending. But then secondary and backing that up, I would also put a reserve requirement in place. Basically, what that means is banks would be required to hold a certain amount of money in reserve cash on hand, which then leads to them lending less out. All of this in the namesake of trying to slow the spend while supply chains have an opportunity to catch up to demand, which is really the main issue right now. We're still seeing it in the ports in Los Angeles and the ports in Newark where they can't get all of the shipping that or all the, uh, excuse me, the freight liners that are sitting out in bays in to offload. I believe near uh, Long Beach or Venice or wherever that major port is out in California, there was something like 132 freighters sitting out in the bay still waiting to offload goods from the Asian continent into America and then put that into American hands. So there's a lot that we need to do right now, but in order to address inflation, I've laid out those three points, a price cap, continue to focus on the interest rates, and then put a reserve requirement in place to address less lending from banks. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Kyle, uh, you have one minute to rebuttal. I find it interesting that my esteemed colleague here would mention price caps. I mean, price caps are proven to disenfranchise investment. If you say, hey, you can only make X amount of dollars, they're not going to invest there. That will not work. In the long term, that is a problem. Second, I find it interesting that my colleague says, hey, you didn't say what you're going to do to address inflation, and then talks about monetary policy like an elected official can even in influence that that is completely you have, you not have, in our you realm to start somewhere though you you just kind of talked about things that are external to the united states you didn't actually talk about how you address inflation in I, I i absolutely did i said i would put boots on the ground in ukraine whether it's popular or not we need to bring that war to an end because it is having a direct impact on us and lives of our allies boots on the ground i would bring infrastructure investment to the united states i would bring investment to the united states i would build more in the United States, whether it's microchips, automobiles, clothing, I would bring it back to the United States by offering incentives 
to have domestic policies. But Jason, you know that that you know that that's not something that's going to happen within a year or even two, right? That, it's that's, not an that, overnight fix, but that's a long-term plan. Bringing which investment I think is here. Good. I, I like I, I agree with you. I think some of that needs to happen, but you can't ignore the short term, right? The short term still needs to be addressed, which is what the price cap does. The price cap is a short term solution. By no means is it a long term thing. It does not dissuade investment from those oil companies because they can't say no to one of the biggest oil markets in the world. They can't just not give us their product unless they want to suffer a loss in pro uh, profit. So but, we're but what addressing it does all is that. It, it, puts okay. this, it, it puts people to not want to invest. And that's what we've seen now is the lack of investment is now coming back to hurt us. Okay, thank you both. Uh, we're going to move on to our next topic now. Uh, according to PISA or PISA results, U.S. is is a mid-tier education system for 15-year-olds. So basically, uh, students in high school, uh, I believe, is 39th out of 78 countries for math. Uh, slightly better on reading and um, writing scores. Uh, how would you handle the U.S. education system, uh, Jason? Please kick us off. It's a great call out. And, and I think the education one is, it's always something that's first looked at to get cut whenever there is a budget discussion, right? And I think we can all acknowledge that. But how I would go about addressing it is you need to incentivize the youth. And it's unfortunate that it needs to get to that point that we need to incentivize them to wanting to learn, but it is kind of where we are at. And how I would do this, there's a couple ways. Um, first and foremost, Everybody wants the college experience. Everybody wants that secondary education experience. However, a lot of families can't afford it. So how do you incentivize that? It's good grades, right? It's something that we all know. Get scholarships. What is the X factor there is we know that it's hard for people who are more in, you know, lower income or, or less, you know, fortunate in terms of the resources they have in front of them. It's harder for them to get those scholarships, right? So first and foremost, some sort of structure needs to be put in place for if you academically perform well, no matter what district you're in, there are incentives for secondary education. The second thing that we need to do is we need to put more of an emphasis on STEM. I, I think making sure that, you know, as my colleague noted during the first debate, putting more of an emphasis on educating people in computer science is a great thing to do. But we also can't ignore the trades. We need to make sure that there is enablement for people to learn plumbing, electrician, carpentry. Those types of things still need to be there to support a country. So, again, incentivizing people going into those types of secondary trades. Um, a study was actually done that showed 81% of people who dropped out said that they would have stayed in high school had they been able to learn more hands-on skills. So if we allow and budget appropriately to put those types of programs back into high school systems, I think we see more people stay in school to learn those trades and then take those on in secondary education, ultimately into the professional world. Jason, you still have 20 more seconds? I'm good. Okay. Kyle, we'll move to you here. I think it's interesting that my colleague makes some of those points where he says, just good, good grades, you can make more money to go to college. Talk about being out of touch with reality. Um, but he does make some good points there. Um, I fully believe we need to destigmatize what it means to not go to college. Right now, you're a senior in high school, and the questions you're being asked are, where are you going to go to school? What are you going to do for college? And if you don't say, hey, I have a plan that's a four-year university, people look at you as if you are lesser in society. That is not true. We need to destigmatize going, not going to four-year universities. That is one of the first things I'd like to do is invest more heavily in the trades. My, my colleague did mention that. I agree with him there. Um, second, what we need to do is double down and make high school education worth it, which means making it more intense bringing in standardized testing so that we can easily grade people. No more of this, hey, I don't test well. I'm sorry. We need a way to 
grade you from school to school. We needed to have standardized testing. I would ban cell phones in school. I'd ban social media in schools because it is a distraction. You're not there to talk to your friends. You're not there to be who's getting the most likes. You're there to learn. We can't have those kinds of distractions. We need to have a more intense education system so that our kids are getting the most out of their time. I, I bring in school uniforms to, to destigmatize, hey, you don't shop at the cool stores, making it so that our kids can focus on learning. Something my colleague here didn't, didn't mention was the, the struggles of learning in a high school. Um, another thing I would do is shrink the amount of colleges there are. There's too many. You look at this Connecticut, we have about 18 state-run universities that we're splitting our dollars in. If we invest that more narrowly into smaller amounts of university, we can make school more affordable. Yes, less kids would go to school, but more kids would go to the trades. But we'd be able to invest more in the kids that do go to school. We're, right now, we're spreading too few dollars into too many places. We need to focus our investment on as as on a few places so we can get the most bang for our buck. And then we need people that are home builders. Okay. We thank need you, home builders. Thank build. you, Kyle. Uh, Jason, uh, rebuttal, please. You have one minute. Of course. Um, so – I'm happy that we're both aligned with the trade aspect. I'm happy that is something that we both understand we need to put more money behind because we as a country need it. And, and you know, it's something that can be very valuable to people who learn it. Um, but again, to say that, oh, I'm just saying get good grades, it's more than that, right? We know that there's a gap between people seeing a reward, especially in lower income neighborhoods and lower income school systems. They feel like even if they try, they don't get anything at the end of that. So why bother, right? So we need to put some sort of system in place to incentivize people, those kids specifically, to continue to try to show them that, hey, there is a next step. There is opportunity behind what is just in front of you, right? And so how we do that, that's something that we'll work on as a country to figure out. But we know it needs to be done. We need to make sure that those kids see an opportunity behind just, hey, why am I sitting at this desk for a couple hours a day? You have some good points that I do agree with, and I'm happy we both agree with the trade aspect, but there's more to just saying, hey, get good grades. There is a reason behind that, and that is incentivizing them to try in school with monetary incentives, right? Hey, if you do X, you're able to get I'll, X amount for colleges. Uh, and I do appreciate that we agree on the trades because I do wholeheartedly believe destigmatize not going to college. Not going to college does not mean you are not successful. Going somewhere other than a four university does not mean you're not successful. We need to destigmatize that. 100%. That will move America forward. 100%. Okay. Thank you. Uh, our next topic What is the biggest problem facing the U.S.? Uh, Kyle, please kick us off here. I think the biggest problem facing the U United States right now is an existential crisis from our enemies of China and Russia. Right now, we see them maneuvering to undermine us in every facet of the way of life, whether it's in the economy, whether it's at war, whether it's in our democracy, we see Russia and China intervening in our way of life and undermining us at every point that they can. What we need to do is confront this head on. We need to bring our allies together and create a forceful path forward that says we will not be deterred from our way of life. The, the, the order of the world that we have set that has brought prosperity to almost the entire globe, the Western order, democracy, peace. We cannot have this unstable environment where rogue world leaders can invade countries because they find it's their way to stay relevant. We need to reestablish our place in the world as saying we are the world power we are the ultimate world power, and we will not be persuaded from that. We need to challenge China by investing in our infrastructure, investing in our manufacturing to make sure that we do not need to rely on them 
for everything. We are too reliant on them in other Asian countries for what we need. We need to invest there so that we don't need to rely on them so that we are not bending at the, bending at their will. We need to make sure that when they come at us, we go at them harder. We need to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. We need to go at China. We need to talk to South Korea. We need to talk to Australia. We need to talk to India to counteract what they are doing. I'll turn it over to Jason for now, but I do have some more points to make later. Okay, thank you, Jason. Your two minutes starts now. So uh, my colleague has a very external view. You heard him say China probably 50 times in two minutes. And, and while that's not a bad thing, and, and while he is correct, right, that there are external threats that we face and, and we will always face. You know, from the dawn of time, you, you have those types of challenges. What we need to do, though, is more internally. Um, I think this country right now is more divided than ever. And we all know the saying, uh, you know, house divided cannot stand. And, and that is true. Um, there's so much going on right now internally to the United States from a social perspective and societal perspective that is dividing people and making it so hard to come to a consensus of what we need to do as a people to better us and move forward. So the thing that we need to focus on, and the biggest thing that is facing the United States right now is how do we as a people become united again? You've seen it happen so many times throughout our history. It happens around flashpoints and, and moments of magnitude that really wave people emotionally and shake them to their core. But what we need to do is we need to do that without that moment of magnitude. We need to do that without thousands of people dying in one go. We need to make sure that we can come together as a country and really show, hey, we are united and this is what we need to do as a people to get better. That is what we need to do. That is what the focus needs to be. Once we do that, we can take on any external threat that comes to us and we can do it swiftly without hesitation. But until we as a people can come together and say we are united and this is what we want to do to better our society and better our country, we can't do anything externally. Just like to say, building off of what my colleague said there, I think that he made some excellent points there. Things I don't necessarily agree with, but most I do, is we need to get back to our roots of what brings us together and what we are alike is more common and larger than how we differ. We agree on more than we disagree. We need to focus on how America is a special place to be and bring back the pride. Stop fighting over these trivial things. Stop obsessing over what we saw on Twitter and focusing on, wow, America is a special place to be because you can walk down the street and tweet whatever you want, say whatever you want, and vote without undue influence on who you're about to vote for, without worrying about I'm going to go to jail because I don't like President Trump or if I don't like President Biden. And it's a special place to be in loving where we are. That is how we move forward, bringing back American pride. Jason, 30 seconds rebuttal and we'll move on. Honestly, I, I think this is probably the first time you'll hear two people aligned on something. Um, well, I think the focus, as I said, needs to be less externally and more internally. And I, and I think we need to really make sure we do come to some sort of reasoning across, uh, you know, party lines, as they say. And even, you know, George Washington said it in 1776, a two party system will destroy this country. And it has done that up until this point. So getting back to we are Americans. What is best for the country is really what's going to move us forward. Not I am a Democrat, not I am a Republican. This is what matters to my party. What matters to us as a people, what makes logical sense, and what's actually going to help people Amen. needs to be what we do and what Amen. we address first. Okay, thank you both. Uh, last topic. What would be the first issue you address uh, when you, or if, sorry, excuse me, if you are elected to office? And Jason, uh, please kick off our last topic. Your two minutes starts now. You know, 
I think we talked about a lot of good things tonight. Um, we handled infrastructure, we handled inflation, we handled education, and, and so many more things can be said and we could look to address. But really what I think would be my first task coming into office, first and foremost, is education. Foundationally, that is what the society needs. We need educated people. We need school systems that really help people be thought-provoking and understanding of the world around them. And without that, it's impossible for us to do anything more. So the first thing I would do in office is put some of those incentives that I talked about for low-income and low-income school districts in place to really make sure students want to be students. They want to learn and they want to continue their education. And then secondary to that, but almost more importantly, right, think about it, 1A and 1B, is put an emphasis on the trades. We need to make sure that we have skilled labor in the market to address, you know, electricians, uh, carpentry, et cetera, et cetera. If we don't have that, it's almost impossible for our infrastructure to maintain and be improved if we don't have those types of educated people in the workforce. You still have another minute. Would you like to? Um... I'm good. Okay. Kyle, uh, what would be the first issue you address if elected to office? First of all, I'd like to thank my colleague for joining me on this debate stage today and making such points where I do agree with him on the trades and on the focus on education. But that being said, I disagree with him on that being the first thing that I would tackle in office. The first thing I would tackle in office is something we actually didn't touch on today, and that would be the perception of crime in the United States. I think we need to tackle the ability to go through our cities and go through our lives and not worry about rampant crime in our in our country. Right now, you you see it every day. Catalytic converters being stolen, another homicide in this city, or somebody pushed on the subway line. We need to create a more disciplined society with a more respect for the rule of law where that people are not afraid to ride the subways. People are not afraid to walk home at 11 o'clock at night. People aren't afraid to walk down the streets alone. We need to get a grasp on what it means to have a peaceful society, uh, a rule of law society, and having a society where we can live safely. You don't have to worry that, hey, I'm coming home late at night. Am I going to be able to walk home from work? You don't have to worry about I'm riding the subway home alone. Right now, you do have to worry about those things. The first thing I would focus on is bringing order to our cities and our communities in our neighborhoods, making sure that you don't have to be afraid. There is no reason to be afraid. This is 2022. We have the technology where we can tackle these problems. We have the ability to understand what causes these problems. And we're going to address these problems through investment, through mental health investment, through homelessness investment, making sure that people have the places to go to get the treatment they need so that they can get help for themselves and that people don't have to worry about where they're going to sleep at night. Those investments directly impact socioeconomic issues that address crime. We need to make sure we have a society that is for everybody. It's safe. It's affordable. And it's a place where people want to live. We live in a great country. We need to invest in these. Okay. Things. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, with that, I'll give you both. Uh, I think that closes our debate. I'll give you both one minute for your closing thoughts. Uh, Jason, do you want to start us off here? Yes, I, I think overall, we all can agree that we're in a pivotal point. There's a lot that needs to be done both internally and externally. We've talked about Russia. We've talked about China. We've talked about supply chains from China into the United States. We've talked about infrastructure, right? We've, we've hit so many different topics tonight, and I think we can all agree there's a lot both externally and internally that we need to do. However, it will be impossible to do any of that 
if we continue to be divided in the way that we are. We need to come together as a people and we really need to make a decision and make a you know a choice that says we are ready to improve our society and improve how we live and how we live with each other before we can do anything else. Simply coming into office and saying, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and this is how we're going to do it, isn't what's going to move people. People are going to take it, read it, and throw it out the window. We need to make sure that we can address it in a plan that allows people to understand and shows them the benefit of how they will grow from this. If we can do that, we're going to get to an amazing place. We're going to get back to what uh, you know McMahon said is the old way of America and being prideful in America and all that good stuff. But until we address that, it's going to be hard for us to do anything internally or externally, regardless of what either of us wants to do from a policy perspective. Okay. And Kyle, uh, your closing argument, you have one minute. Or closing Thank you very comment. much. Sorry. America is a special place to be. We can invest in our infrastructure. We can invest in our education system. We can invest in homelessness. We can invest in mental health. All these things will make America a special place to be. Ultimately, what we need to do is elect people that believe in the American dream. I believe in the American dream. I believe this place is a special place. I believe this country is special. I believe that while we do have issues, we have the means to address them. We have a great population, 300 million strong, that believe in the American dream, and it's about making you believe. Promises made by me are promises kept. I strongly believe in the issues I talked about today, and I strongly believe I will be able to keep my promises. What you hear from me today is what I believe in. I believe we can invest in the education system, making it more fair. I believe we can invest in homelessness and mental health, making sure we get our most vulnerable the help we need. I believe we can invest in our cities, making them safer. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, this concludes our debate for the evening. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Hot damn. I'd say uh, that went pretty well. Kyle, be real. Were you getting choked up there towards the end? I enjoyed that debate. Sorry, I didn't press the control button, so I was speaking on mute. Um, I love that. I, I believe were, in these were, things were you, to, were you starting to tear up a little bit there? I, I wasn't crying, but I, I believe in these issues. I, I believe we agree on a lot of things that – and I love that you were saying that invest in the trades. Invest, like Those are things I believe in strongly. Um, and I also believe in the American pride of just if we get back to just remembering what makes this a special place – People will be much happier. People will be like, wow, this is really awesome. I'm so much happier I live here than somewhere awful. Thank you for calling me out on saying China like 19 times. It was like, <laughs> it was like probably 50 times and literally. It was like uh, China, know, China, China, China. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't understand, I do believe China is our biggest threat. But that was fun. I, I thoroughly it was, enjoyed it. Was good that. Cronin, you, you know, for the listeners, who would you vote for? Don't feel, don't feel like you're going to offend by picking, but who would you vote for, Cronin? Uh, yeah, I think I'd have to go with Kyle. Um, I think his platform's just a little more thought out. I've, I've spoken to him about this. This is stuff he does like every day of his life anyways. (laughs) I know he didn't use a single fact or statistic. At least I had that, but okay. Say less. That's not true. I had plenty of real life experiences. Okay. Either way. I respect Cronin's right to vote for who he wants to vote for, but um, remember, on, promises made are promises kept. <laughs> you're not actually running for office right now, okay? <laughs> Calm it down there, Mantra Man. Anyway, <laughs> that was the episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know who you'd vote for. Again, your socials are at your underscore debate on Twitter and not your average debate show on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, you know, good luck as midterms approach.